the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, episode 121. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Unruffled listeners. We just wanted to let you guys know a couple of things at the top of the show. You can go to my website, www.theunruffled.com, and scroll down to the bottom of the page to sign up for a free guide. Yes, you heard me, free guide. And it is called 10 Ways to Expand Your Recovery Through Creativity. Uh, I'd love to send it to you. It's all my best work. And I'm going to let Tammy take it from here. Yeah. And um, if you guys want to go to my website, TammySolace.com, I'm offering the Proof of Life Project in July and August this year. You can sign up there. There's links to tell you all about the programs. And I also just released a new book called um, Proof of Life, and it's a 60-page illustrated gratitude journal. I've done all the work for you with watercolors, and you can put your lists on top. And that's $20 in my store. All right. You guys enjoy the show. Hey, Unruffled listeners, it is Tammy, and I am uh, with Jolene Park today, and she's going to be co-hosting the podcast because Sandra is taking a much-needed break. This summer, we decided to invite um, other podcasters on here to co-host with us and to give us a little bit of time off to be with our families and to create, which we so want to do in the summertime. It's such a fertile time for that. So welcome to the show, Jolene. Thanks, Tammy. I've been looking forward to this. was excited to, to hear from you and be asked. So thank you so much. Well, welcome back to the show, I should say, right? Because you were with us, gosh, a little over a year ago in episode 49. So if people are listening, Jolene, um, she's going to tell you a little bit about herself, but she was on episode 49. If you want to kind of make a note of that and you can go back and listen to that awesome episode. Uh, but Jolene, you are a functional nutritionist and a health coach through your company, Healthy Discoveries. Can you tell our listeners, just those that are new to you and your work, kind of what you're all about? Sure, sure. Um, so I started Healthy Discoveries in 2001. <laughs> so I've had it for a long time. It was originally uh, a corporate wellness company for training and consulting. And I worked in corporate wellness um, from 2004 on until about 2014 um, and then corporate wellness shifted and I shifted I stopped drinking and um, became public about that and um, was doing smaller contracts with corporate work but at the same time with that um, as I was talking about my stopping drinking story uh, other professionals and other healthcare practitioners were hearing me talk about that on podcasts and, and online and things and saying this is me. This is how I drink. I, I resonate with, with what you're saying. And um, from that, it, it opened up. It, well, it, I was coaching. I, I had been coaching with medical doctors um, doing nutrition coaching in their offices and even in the corporate um, part of my work. I was doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, but the more I talked about the stopping drinking, I, my coaching started to shift and really niche um, specifically for professionals and healthcare practitioners who were giving up drinking, who identified as being in the gray area. So these, you know, aren't people who are um, needing to physically go away to, you know, a treatment center for a month or a couple months, um, but they're struggling with that back and forth, you know, can I drink? Oh, I'm drinking. This is bothering me. I don't want to be drinking this much. I'm going to try to stop. And so a lot of that back and forth. And um, I started doing a lot of that coaching one-on-one -on -one three years ago and um, did a TED talk on gray area drinking a year and a half ago and um, launched my online membership program, uh, member community for former gray area drinkers. So those who have now stopped drinking, but still want ongoing information and, and content and community um, you know, they're not in that I'm trying to stop, 
but now what are the pieces? You know, looking at nutrition, um, looking at some of the emotional um, things, emotional regulation, uh, working or, you know, with relationships, intimate relationships and friendships and, and work. And because sometimes for many of us, when we give up alcohol, it's sometimes just the first step. And then we start looking at other pieces of our life. So that's the work I've been doing um, online and, and one-on-one with, with folks. I love it. For our listeners who are not familiar with the term gray area drinking, you and I were going to chat a tiny bit about labels just at the beginning of the show here, um, because there's been a bunch of press about it. So can you tell our listeners what you define as gray area drinking or how, how you figured that out, that term? Yeah, you know, my, I also have a podcast called Edit, Editing Our Drinking and Our Lives, um, and I co-host with Aidan Donnelly Rally, and she and I have had that conversation a lot on, on that podcast. And, um, and, you know, we both identify as gray area drinkers, where we weren't every now and again drinkers. Um, neither one of us would, you know, have a drink for instance, like to toast at New Year's and then not think about it again, not, you know, drink again until maybe a couple months later. And then maybe we're out to dinner with friends and have a glass of wine. Like that's not how she and I drank and and how any of our listeners and the people I work with drink. Um, But we also didn't go to a treatment center when, when we stopped drinking. We didn't have to physically remove ourselves from alcohol to stop. Um, and so this area between those two extremes of having a drink every now and again and often just stopping at one drink versus having a real kind of extreme, um, you know, end stage um, scenario. And yes, there's people in both of those two categories, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people in between those two sure. categories. So that's, uh, you know, that's how I um, kind of essentially define it. It's certainly how I drank. Um, you know, I, I would start, I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna have a glass of wine, you know, I'm home, um, it's the end of the day, and then it's like, ah, screw it, I'll have another glass. And how easily that then turned, I would just drain the bottle, and how easy that was to do on such a frequent basis. Um, and then I would stop and be like, I can't do, you know, I can't keep doing this, I feel horrible the next day, and I would hide how horrible I felt. Um, but, you know, go on with, with work and business and everything that I needed to do, and then often drink again the next night. And so that for me was, you know, that was kind of my pattern. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, the more I started kind of saying that out loud, so many others were saying, that's how I drink. And, I, you know, and I, I struggle with it. Like I wake up at three in the morning and my heart's pounding and I didn't want to drink that much again, whatever that much was. And, and I'm, you know, intending to, to I'm, I'm not going to drink the rest of the week or, or whatever. And then, and then we drink. So, um, so that's kind of a, a long windy explanation yeah. because I think it, any of these terms are, there aren't really hard fast definitions. Yeah. And what I think I like, about, so what I like about um, where I'm at personally is that we get to say it, right? Well, you get to say what your term is. I get to say what my term is, but we get to decide what that is. And I think when people aren't talking about it, I mean, five years ago when I was questioning my drinking, nobody was talking about this. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I didn't, you know, except for your co-host of your show, she was writing about it. And Aiden's words um, from her experiment of a year without wine, I read every single word, you know, I got really bummed out to be quite honest when she did go back to drinking because I was kind of holding my breath like, okay, and then, then what do we do at month 12? Because I was following along in real time. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay. And she did more research and now she, you know, she doesn't drink, but I, that was, um, it, not a lot of people were doing it. And so it's so great that you are talking about it and that we can um, figure this stuff out and that other women are going, yeah, that's my story too, or that sounds similar to how I'm drinking. Yeah. And working with, with people, you know, I've been, I've worked with over 200 clients one-on-one now in the last three years. Um, so I've worked with, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, professionals who are um, CEOs of nonprofits and they are entrepreneurs themselves. Um, they're in the C-suite. Uh, they're healthcare practitioners, social workers, therapists, nutritionists, uh, physician assistants, nurse practitioners. Those are a lot of my clients. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone's, everyone has their own unique story. But there are common denominators. And, and one um, very common denominator is that back and forth. That's, that's stopping. You know, I stopped one time for 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, I can have a drink. 
And, and I, it's so like when we talk about what is a gray area drinker, that's actually a really common characteristic. And uh, this back and forth before, and it can go on for years before kind of that final, like, I'm done with this. And you mentioned kind of all, you know, the media. Um, there's been a, you know, a lot of articles lately of the sober curious movements and, and um, it's ruffled some feathers and, you know, everyone's um, been talking about it. It's a bit of a hot topic and it, uh, happy to say some things, but, you know, one, one thing of kind of, you know, my intention behind talking about this and, and being on Instagram and doing the work I'm doing is, is not, that to continue that there's this hierarchy of whose story is worse. Well, you weren't really that bad or that you, there's this spectrum. But what I want people to hear, you know, if they're hearing, um, you know, any of my interviews or posts or things is who I am interested in reaching is, you know, it's not about everybody needs to stop drinking. <laughs> and I'm not, and it's not kind of the argument of like alcoholic versus non-alcoholic. For me, it's the, that there's a demographic out there who, like you said, Tammy, five years ago, we weren't hearing this stuff. And there's still people out there. They have no idea this conversation is going on on Instagram. There's these podcasts. And if today's the day where they stumble across, they do that Google search, which I did many times, you know, in the morning where I'm just like, oh, I didn't want to drink that much again. And I start Googling like memoirs and alcohol. I'm like, who is somebody writing about this? To, for them to hear that there is this other um, language out there. And sometimes it's a softer entry into looking at your relationship with alcohol, whether it's gray area or sober curious or whatever. And, you know, the other thing with this is that um, it by no means diminishes that this was a problem. That, you know, gray area, I mean, for myself, I quit drinking because it was a problem, 100%. And I, I know I can't go back to drinking. And I can tell you, every person I've talked with and, and worked with over the years in, in this realm, they're not signing up for coaching and, you know, joining the community and, and interacting just because they're like, ah, I don't have anything better to do. I guess I'll just stop drinking alcohol. <laughs> like, it's a struggle. It's, and wherever that they are on the spectrum, it could be earlier on the spectrum or farther down. That, you know, that it's not to diminish this is easy, taking alcohol out of our lives, yeah. if that makes sense. Absolutely. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, right? So how could I, I, I can't understand. I mean, not that I can't understand. I can empathize and I can't know someone else's struggle. So how, I can't judge someone else's struggle. And the labels all across the board can be really stigmatizing. You know, I think all across the board and start putting people into to holes and then we start the judgment again. And when I worked the steps, Jolene, you know, judgment was my, one of my biggest character, whatever you want to call it, defects, default, um, little, little zinger, like I need to work on that. And so it's hard with labels. I think they, they do start putting people in a box and they do start being really divisive. Mm-hmm. I remember using the phrase sober curious in a meeting once and the guy next to me chuckled and I was so pissed off <laughs> because for me, sober curious was really important that year, 13 months before I got sober. Yeah. Uh, before I decided to tell my doctor the, as much of the truth as I could tell about my drinking, that 13 months prior was key to me um, getting honest with myself. So if somebody's laughing at me or thinking that's funny or that that phrase is funny, like that's not helping. That's not helpful at all. That's Mm -hmm. someone being really super judgmental. And so I work on that every day. That's part of my program. And that's part of where I'm, I'm happy to have this conversation with you. I'm happy that people are at least talking about it. Um, And I'm just hoping that it doesn't become divisive. Yeah, I agree. You know, alcohol is a problem. Um, plain and simple, yeah. and everybody um, uses it different levels. And and um, and again, I'm not saying everybody who uses it has a problem, <laughs> but um, but alcohol can be a problem. And so to get into kind of this arm wrestle then of who's again this kind of whose story is worse and and bigger and harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know the benefit of labels and names like sober curious and gray area it can be an, a, a door in for, mm-hmm. for people who have never known anything other than the two extremes. Um, but yeah, as far as kind of then the divisiveness after that, it's, you know, giving up alcohol, wh- wherever you are, whatever your story is, 
is is huge. You know, it's it's a wonderful um, accomplishment and and you know, kind of wonderful feat. It's it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. No. And so I think kind of um, arguing back and forth, and it, it's uh, it's probably going to continue. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's an invitation. I felt like giving up alcohol was an invitation to I didn't even know what. And so the fact that I did it is, is um, and I didn't used to believe in miracles. I believe it was a miracle. I, the fact that I didn't used to believe in a higher power, whatever I do now, like the things that I've changed my mind on by yeah. being an open-minded and willing participant in this journey that I'm on, like it's every day I'm amazed. And I could really change my mind and start calling myself a different label a month from now, whatever. I, I'm on the journey and I'm kind to myself now. And I try not to beat myself up, but I'll tell you what, Jolene, if there had been gray area drinker conversation back when I owned my wine bar, when I first bought it before I was drinking alcoholically, I would have really appreciated that. You know, I would have really kind of gone, Oh, so I don't have to wake up at two twenty every night. Other people are waking up at three in the morning, like you said, and having anxiety and having regret the next day. Like it would have opened up a door. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly what I'm saying of, of that if this can be an opening an in, um, you know, if I could have found stumbled across these conversations, but it it just wasn't out there, you know, eight years ago when I was Googling and, you know, I read Carolyn Knapp's book, drinking a love story, you know, and I loved it. I mean, her writing's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't, identify, you know, that wasn't how I drank, but I, but I, I loved, you know, the book, but I was like, isn't there a book around how I drink? Mm. Um, and now there's so many stories like that. And, um, and so that's what I'm passionate about and, and interested in again, not out there yelling that everybody needs to stop drinking. Right. Right. (laughs) For for those who who are secretly silently, because that's part of the characteristic of, you know, people tell me, they'll be like, you know, this group that I hang out with, like, they don't struggle. Like they just, they, they can have fun and they drink fine. And and I I always say, we don't know that because that group, that's who's actually calling me and, and hiring me to coach. They're not talking to their friend group about it. But they're, but they're having one, you know, coaching conversations with me saying, my friends have no idea. Like I, I, I drink, and I did too. I drink like my social group. I, like, I haven't gotten a DUI. I haven't, but I don't want to keep doing this. Like this isn't working. And this, and that's the thing is people aren't, I never talked about it, but I, but I Googled. And so, you know, again, I, I think hearing it, but it's no way minimizing that, oh, this is just magic, or this is just easy. (laughs) You just stop drinking. Um, You know, anybody who's, who's Googling and reading and listening and questioning and, and, you know, part of some online forums, there's, there's this, it's hard. Yeah, it's alcohol in your life is hard. And taking it out of your life is hard. Whatever label and wherever you are on that spectrum. What I love is just that there's conversation around it now and that, yeah, you're right. We can Google these things. I could read blogs. I was searching for people, you know, looking for hashtags, trying to find, that's how I found Laura and Holly. That is how I found Aiden, you know, and her work. Uh, And so it was like going down rabbit holes. And now, you know, it's a lot easier for people to sit in their living room and to check this out, you know, and try to take a break for three days and keep reading. And okay, so they had a slip and then they go back and they try again. Or whatever language you want to call it, a slip or a not, whatever it is. It's like, I think when I was so focused on words and phrases and um, that's when I'm not focusing on the work. That's when I want to, that's when I'm resisting and that's when I have fear. Yeah. And so I, again, it's like an invitation when I keep doing that or if I notice that I'm doing that, I'm like, okay, what are you really trying to get out of here? And, um, and I kind of double down, you know, and get back to some basics. So thank you. I know this can be touchy subject and, um, I just, I wanted us to at least, yeah, that, that article that's going around the New York times article about it and a couple other ones that are going around. I know with the guardian, I think, um, I think it's important to mention for sure. And the bottom line for me, you know, um, anyone who has made that choice, however that choice came, whatever the story is. Uh, it's amazing. It's awesome. And, mm-hmm. um, and I just love, you know, meeting people who um, aren't drinking. It's, they're, they're amazing people. And again, it, it's not really about how, 
how the story, you know, is or, or what, you know, the quantity, the, all of that. It's just, we've both made um, a, a mutual choice and there's, there's a connection, like there's a yeah. bond. And that's, what's interesting to me is, is this, the alcohol-free community, mm-hmm. whatever the label, wherever you are on the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. There are people. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to connect. And, and yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, so this, so let's, let's try to see if I can do a segue. I really am not good at them, Jolene. So we, that's been evidenced on the show, but so let's women, middle of life. A lot of people listen to this podcast and um, that's when they stop drinking. Is that's when they start examining their drinking or realize that maybe there's more what's going on here. Sandra calls it a midlife solution rather than a crisis and that you're looking for a solution to how you're feeling. And so I know that you and I were chatting, kind of going back and forth. Um, I know you wanted to perhaps talk about brain chemistry, but we also were going to touch since, since Sandra's not on the show, apparently I want to talk about sex. I don't know why that is. Sandra's going to be like, why did you wait to talk about that stuff? <laughs> but, um, but sex, pleasure, women's hormones, we were going to kind of touch base on a lot of those things. So how should we start? Can you help me? Yeah, let's just start. Okay. Um, okay. This is, like you said, we were texting about this, and um, this is kind of my new behind-the-scenes real passion and interest. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's, it, you know, it's, it's very connected. So hormones are connected with, with our brain chemicals. Um, so it's, it's not like it's a huge jumping, jumping tracks here. And, and for me, and it's been a little bit of my process, um, and I, you know, end up kind of teaching what I want to learn and need to learn. <laughs> but, um, you know, for me, kind of the entry in was looking at the brain. Um, I, I think that can be a little bit of like, you know, the 101 of that regulation of the nervous system. So however we're using alcohol um, or whatever it is, you know, again, it, it doesn't really matter. To me, it comes down to we're just trying to regulate our nervous system. We don't feel good. We're, we're feeling anxious. We're feeling our mind is spinning 100 miles an hour. We're ruminating. We're beating ourselves up. And so we drink or we eat sugar or we scroll our phone too much or um, you know, whatever, obsess about, you know, not eating certain foods or exercising every day or workaholism. Like it's all the behavior and the substance is this thing about uh, my body doesn't feel good. It's not regulated. So I want to jump out of my body by, you know, these behaviors. And so the kind of the, t- you know, 2.2 version after looking at some of that brain nervous system regulation is the hormones because they're big um, and especially they're big hitters, especially for um, midlife, the kind of that 35 to 55, which is very much the demographic I work with. I think there's a real connection um, and no coincidence of giving up alcohol. I, I quit drinking at 43. So mm-hmm. perimenopause was, uh, you know, I'm in it. I'm 48 now. Um, I'm, I'm in the thick of kind of that perimenopause as my cycle is winding down. And um, I think drinking through the perimenopause years, which can be anywhere from 15, five to 15 years before our period stops for oh, that wow. final year. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes that's confusing. People are like, oh, I have, I'm not in menopause, you know, and they're in their forties. And it's like, but you're, but you know, the insomnia, the anxiety, the whatever, the, the migraines, the cramps, um, all of that starts to heat up a little bit and get intensified as the hormones are, are swinging and, uh, you know, self-medication when we can't sleep, when we're more anxious is alcohol. Right. And we don't kind of talk about that and, and make that connection. And so something that I've been really interested in and kind of doing some personal study is um, kind of in three areas. And the first is, I think I talked about this the first time I was on, a little bit about the rhythm of the our menstrual cycle and the moon cycle. Do you remember? Yes, yes. yes. So I'm, I'm interested in that. I can share some of that. And then, um, you know, also interested in, in just the actual organs, you know, what we can be doing for organ health with our breasts and uterus and, and ovaries, vaginal canal, um, and then actual hormones. So I'll start kind of with... Um, some of the cycles. So the moon and our hormone cycle is constant every month. It's consistent. Um, even if we're not bleeding for whatever reason, uh, where our hormones are still cycling and the moon still cycles. And this cycle gives us the ability to really adapt and respond and kind of reclaim that relationship with our body as especially for women. And so there's free, four phases that we go through. And the first is every month, 
within, which is very different. Men don't go through this. Men go through more of a linear 24 hour cycle. Women go through more of an ebb and flow 30 day cycle. And so we, uh, our first phase is there's an inspiration and newness that happens. And this connects with the creativity side of things. Hmm. And then there's a fertility and abundance. And then there's this letting go and releasing and then a time to hibernate. So the time to hibernate is actually, coincidentally, we're recording this on a new moon. Today is July 2nd when we're recording. So every month on a new moon or when women bleed, the first day of their bleed Mm -hmm. is hibernation. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so it's a slowing down. It's a really quiet, inward, sensitive time. And the other correlation with this kind of new moon energy, the energy of our bleed, and um, is the winter season. So you can imagine it's this inner season of winter that we come upon as women about three to seven days every month. And today, you know, new moon is day one, or, you know, if women are tracking their bleeding, that could also be it. But here's what's also interesting, how it comes back to this alcohol piece. The archetype for this um, period is the crone. And so as we're going through perimenopause, which, you know, Tammy, you and I are the same age. And I think a lot of listeners um, are kind of in our age range, Mm -hmm. uh, the 40s. So when we hit the bleed day, the new moon day, it's the crone energy. And crone is actually not dried up old lady bent over hag. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Good. Good to know. <laughs> crone actually means crown. Oh. And it's the established authority and leader of that wisdom. Now, the blood is, um, is it's a very intuitive time. It's a really wise time. And, um, you know, Clarissa Pinkoli Estes, I can never really say her name, who wrote Women Who Run With the Wolves. She talks about this energy as being really revolutionary and radical in women's experience. And so we, can, we don't have to wait until we stop bleeding, until we're, you know, whatever age. Every month we have the opportunity to have this really intuitive kind of retreat rest time with this new moon or if we're bleeding and we can correlate to a lot of people this these aren't my ideas i mean I, there's lots of teachers out there that i've learned mm-hmm. from that there's certain then foods and ways to move our body that that correlate with this so if we're day one of our bleed or on a new moon as a woman and potentially running a marathon and sometimes we can't i mean that's just what happens wait wait, wait. i'm sorry i have to ask a quick quick question yeah so if you're on day one of your bleed Yep. Is it or a new moon? Yeah, because um, either both. You know, first I would say if you're bleeding, um, go with your body, go with your body cycle. But if for whatever reason you're not, then go with the moon cycle. Okay, because last time you were on, Jolene, I believe I got my IUD taken out because I hadn't had a period for like 15 years. And so now I, this is so lots of information here. I do bleed on the new moon. Mm. It's very interesting. Many women do. Okay. Women cycles sync with the moon and some women bleed on the full moon. Okay. So the week that this is going to air, I'm just saying, that's why I want to interrupt it really quick. There is going to be a new moon this week. This will air on the 29th of July. I just looked at the calendar. To, I said the wrong date earlier. 29th of July. And there's a new moon on the first. Let's see. Perfect. The first of August. So just FYI. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> So what's interesting to me and paying attention to these cycles, because, you know, a big thing that we're, we're talking about, you know, in this alcohol conversation is people say my energy is low, you know, now that I quit drinking or sex drive is low or um, I'm really craving sugar. You know, these are the, the pieces. But again, if we're pushing all month long and especially in a time where our body and our system wants to you know they used to in the it was called the red tent you know women would go into the red tent and bleed and when we have like a cellular memory of that again i'm not this isn't like stuff i'm making up i mean it's written about all over the place and i can, mm-hmm. can give you some of my favorite teachers who i've learned this from but um if we push against that the the theory is we set ourselves up for the rest of the month to be working against our cycle. 
And then there's this like, why am I craving all this sugar? Why am I exhausted? Why am I? And I think it's interesting to play with in this crone menstruation, inner winter time to rest. Mm-hmm. And for many of us, like it's, just, you know, we've got kids and, and jobs and responsibilities and it's not like you can just take a day and, and go retreat <laughs> somewhere. You just got to listen to it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that. Awareness is huge, but just something knowing kind of like where your cycle is, knowing where the moon is. And it's like, oh, I, I'm in kind of this, this is a hibernation phase. And as you know, with creativity, what happens then is, is that when we go into kind of a bit of an inner retreat, go into really gentle movement. It's not the time to be doing hard interval training. Um, you know, it's the time to really be eating nourishing, blood building foods um, like seafood and seaweed, some kelp, um, some pumpkin seeds, you know, really building nourishing foods and doing some gentle yoga, some, some walking. And then in about seven days, we move into the follicular phase, which is the um, waxing moon. And it's the archetype of the maiden. So it's the young girl and it's springtime. So think of, you know, it's your inner spring. So now there's kind of that second week in the month where this is like the time to like, our energy is in that place where we can be more focused. We can be more creative, um, more social, playful. And it switches a little bit. You know, our body can handle more cardio at this time. At, you know, that first week, no, it's really more of a relaxing, you know, time. Then at the peak in two weeks from now, we'll be at the full moon, which is ovu- um, ovulation. And um, this is kind of the more of like the, you know, the priestess woman. This is like full expression, um, time for intimacy. This is, you know, if we're going to get pregnant, (laughs) this is the time when women get pregnant. So it can be a very sexual time. It's a very outward time, expansive, more intense um, exercise. And then the week after is the luteal phase, which is the waning moon, which is PMS and autumn. So think about autumn time. It's also perimenopause energy as we're now letting go starting to nest a little bit, starting to get things done on our to-do list, kind of staying task-oriented and, um, you know, going into more of that restorative time so we come back full circle to that hibernation, to the next new moon or when we bleed again. Okay, that, I just typed out everything while you were talking. (laughs) I was a former legal secretary, Jillian, so I'm taking that. (laughs) That, okay, I'm 48 years old. Why am I only knowing this right now? Like, why, how did I not know that my whole life? Now I'm waiting for it to end, but it's like, so it, it all makes sense. Because it is kind of fun to play with. And, and yeah. when, when we fight against this cycle and, and I, you know, I don't want to say you follow the cycle and then you won't have cramps or you won't have it. That's, that's too um, reductionistic and too simple. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, nothing is, you know, I, like that. Um, you know, I know women who, who know this information very well and really struggle with cramps and, and that kind of thing. However, there potentially can be, especially this stuff of, I crave sugar, um, my libido's low. There, you know, the, the, I know you and Tiffany Hahn had the conversation about orgasms and sex and knowing kind of where we are in this wave and coming back to alcohol. My sense on this and and just kind of it's just my opinion Mm -hmm. but I think you know as we're in this perimenopausal phase which is kind of an extended PMS phase Mm -hmm. and it's a time of letting go yeah what are we carrying into this hibernation retreat time that we need to let go and I think the more we're carrying this heavy pack alcohol could potentially be in that pack the more our body, our psyche, our system is going to kind of rebel and push and resist. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, these things come up. And I think this is, it's interesting that a lot of women in their thirties, forties, fifties start drop, dropping, letting go of alcohol Mm -hmm. during this time as they're coming into the crone time. It's like they intuitively know that's what they need to do. Yeah. And what's interesting about all of this, what I'm learning is, it, again, it's not about um, we go into menopause and into the crone, then we have to figure all this out. We have the opportunity every month 
to practice this um, of kind of that real inner wisdom mm-hmm. of that because it's a very intuitive time around the new moon when you're bleeding, when you're in your crone time. So um, like another thing that Clarissa, do you know how to say her name? Pink, no, I just picked up her book yesterday at the thrift store and it's a signed copy. I'm so excited. Uh, Clarissa Pencola. Pencola. Yeah, thank you. People are going to laugh because I butcher her name, but <laughs> she's amazing. And um, she says, whether it's in fairy tales or consensual reality, the old one goes where she wants to. She acts as she wishes and she lives as she chooses. And this is all it should be. No one can stop her and no one should try. So again, this is not just women who are 52 and menopausal. This is every woman every month when they're bleeding. And when I just got goosebumps everywhere, Jolene. I just got goosebumps everywhere and you're going to make me cry. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And that's why I'm every safe. month we get that opportunity. <laughs> we get the opportunity. And, and this is a, um, you know, the native, there, the, there's a native American saying that they say at the first bleed. So as teenagers, when we, when our period starts, mm-hmm. that's when the woman meets her power. Blood is life force. It's our power. Mm-hmm. During that. our bleeding years is when we practice that power. Yeah. And then menopause is when we become it. And so, we're, so we're having the opportunity to practice every month. Of, and the importance then, so going back to your work, Tammy, with creativity, how powerful and how important it is to go into your tent, mm-hmm. <laughs> to go yeah. into your cave. And again, it doesn't have to be a whole eight-hour day. It can right. just be in the evening of the new moon or your bleed or, you know, during winter season. Mm-hmm. And you just have this little, this is your little 15 minute kind of real conscious. This is my retreat time. Mm-hmm. And it, whatever, and there's the argument, the motivation of, you know, I'm always saying to people like, why are you doing what you're doing? Because <laughs> everyone's like, I'm diffusing my aromatherapy and I'm doing yoga. And I'm like, but how do you feel? People who work with me always know that I'm like, and they're like, I don't know. I mean, I just did it. I checked the box. And, yeah. and this is nervous system regulation. So, you know, doing these things, doing these, what we call self-care is it's about how does it then feel in your nervous system? How is it nourishing you and taking those things that feel really good into your retreat time? So you have to pay attention. You have to know, you have to know what's going on with your body, but you also have to pay attention to that, what that self-care is. And I think self-care gets a bad rap. Uh, again, another label thing, right? But I know what I need now. I I know because I've been paying attention in a way that I never have my whole life. But to be able to now look at this and just very succinctly go, oh, I'm in this new moon phase right here. I'm in the first week. No wonder I want to take a nap every afternoon. No wonder I want to go to bed at 730. Instead of fighting it, why am I not listening to it? Yeah, I want a candy bar. I'm probably going to have one. I'm just yes. Gonna, yes. Yeah. Fight it. I want caffeine and salt and, sh- and salty popcorn. Okay, you can have that for dinner one night. But and then, you need that. And I never want it. Then I never want it after that until it comes around again. Yeah. You know? And when I start yeah. paying attention to those little things, instead of punishing myself, right? I'm really good at that. I think women are really good at that. We kind of punish ourselves. And no, you don't have to do that if you're paying. It sounds like if you're paying attention and knowing that this cycle is happening. Um, my mom didn't talk to me about this stuff, Jolene. I didn't know about any of this stuff. It's just been in recovery and, and stop removing alcohol from my life that I'm like, just like this book came into my um, view yesterday. And now here you are talking about it today. I love that. <laughs> and, um, I can't wait to read it and kind of dig into this more. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many good teachers out there writing about this. And, and again, women who run with the wolves isn't necessary, isn't about the cycles there. Um, you know, if, if you want some, yeah, some give me a recommendation on that, what I would really recommend is wild power by Alexandria Pope. She's in the UK. Okay. Um, incredible book that talks very in depth about these different phases and, and how to approach them. And also talks about, I'm a modern woman living in the modern world. I don't have time to retreat. And she addresses that, how to work with these cycles. Because again, it's not about stopping your life, um, but how to infuse because there's, there's certain foods, there's certain exercises, just like how I talk about with brain chemistry. You know, when we know our GABA is low, there's certain foods, certain exercises. And, and this is why I, I'm so interested in all this because instead of just this, I crave sugar, what should I do to stop craving sugar? <laughs> it's like, Mm. Where's your energy rhythm right now? Literally, 
Um, this isn't an es esoteric thing. Like we crave things that they're really interesting messages from the body. And it's not about suppressing and you're a bad person um, for craving, you know, potentially in that kind of PMS phase when we're, we're kind of shoring up and letting go to, to go into the real quiet time, the body's wanting to take in more nutrients, potentially more, like you say, more salts and more sugar. And, and it, the body can regulate that. You know, often we don't just, you know, gain 20 pounds and hold on to it. It's the body's going through this rhythm. And so we so quickly beat ourselves up and try to suppress these yeah. cravings. And, and like, I, you know, I just have to keep pushing. I'm tired, but I have to keep pushing. And what that sets us up for then is we lose the creative because when we rest, we then come into the next two weeks of really opportunity and invitation to create and to be expanded because all the intuition comes then and then we release it and let it go and rest and start the cycle again. Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. To date, we have produced almost two years worth of content and have over half a million downloads. We can hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing and appreciate our weekly consistency, you can be a patron of this show for as little as a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. So after the, the new moon cycle and you're, it's the waxing moon, right? You said the archetype of the maiden mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the energy is more focused. Yeah. I'm going to pay attention because there are when I have, um, um, it was before the, before the, uh, I'll have to pay attention. I had a night where I was just inspired and I went painting in the studio till midnight. And now I'm curious as to when that was, cause I could, I'll go look at my notes and see where the moon was at because I, I felt just lit up. I felt the energy and I felt like I wanted to paint. I haven't painted in a year since um, my panic attack started. And so the fact that I wanted to, and that I started to was interesting. Yeah. And so the, you know, another fun thing to do with this is to chart it and you can find these, these charts online um, many places. I think um, the wild power book, you know, if you go onto their website, mm -hmm. it's called the red school in the UK. I think they have a chart. Um, Kate Northrup teaches this. Kate Northrup has been in my nourish community okay. and I think, I think you can check out her stuff. And so it's a wheel of, you know, the 28 days and then you can just kind of chart which day this is in your cycle or in the moon and where's your energy and kind of, you know, what happened. And it's fun to see the pattern for that. And Tammy, I know, you know, anxiety has been a piece for you yeah. and this can be a nice tool to kind of layer when did those symptoms happen? When did that anxiety happen? And where were you in a cycle? Whatever, you know, if you're following a hormone cycle or yeah. a moon cycle. And then what are those tools? Because there can be real specific tools that your psyche's needing, your body's needing that it's not getting. And that's where the anxiety, it's almost like, you know, I, I, I'm off track here. But, but we don't know this, but right. that's what these symptoms are of, I don't feel good. I don't feel grounded. I don't feel rested. I'm going to medicate this with sugar or alcohol. And when we understand these rhythms, it's eye-opening and enlightening. I'm excited. So yeah, you're just speaking to my Virgo-ness too, like the tracking and the notebook and the keeping track of things. I love that. And I feel like it'll give me some really great information. You know, and just what you're saying, like I just had a panic attack um, 10 days ago and I'm going to go back and look and see what was happening, what was going on. Um, and, but I do, I am trying to look at those things too, Jolene. Um, just kind of like looking at fear, like it's not the enemy. It's actually, I think Peter Rollins, I love his quote, um, listen to the prophet of your anxiety because it's trying to tell you something. Yeah. You know? And if I can pay attention, it sounds like just what you're talking about here, but I can pay attention and kind of without being hypercritical of myself or hypercritical of the anxiety, like more of an acceptance, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's like a red flag. It's actually my friend. It's not my enemy. It's telling me something. I just can't understand what it's telling me. Right. And right. Do you have to do more self-reflection and trying to kind of tinker and figure it out? Yeah. You know, and with all of this, there's no, you know, I kind of speak to this too of, you know, I don't believe this is always about like fixing ourselves. <laughs> right. Um, you know, sometimes things just are unknown mm -hmm. and, and that's just how it is. And then other times there's um, the curiosity and the detective work. So could the, you know, 
turning over the biochemical stone. Is there something biochemical, biochemically going on with, you know, depleted minerals or, um, you know, our, our gut health can be really important um, biochemically with anxiety. So working, working on the gut, um, the emotional side of things. Uh, you know, I work a lot with, with the somatic work of feeling contained, that our emotional body feels contained and grounded and, um, you know, in that side. And then, and then some of the energetic, which following some of these rhythms and cycles could be a little bit more of, of the energetic work. Um, yet it's also incredibly practical. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes things just are what they are and we may not know. <laughs> You know, there's, right. there, there's no kind of formula of like, this is, here's the answer for everybody. Sure. Um, but I, I think, you know, information can be power and, and exploring different pieces. And, and so this, this hormone cycling kind of hormone, the cycle awareness has, is really interesting to me right now. Oh, I like that hormone cycle aware. Well, um, I went a couple weeks ago when Laura was on the show, Laura McCallan, um, we did talk a little bit about um, anxiety because she had just had a panic attack and I had just had one a couple of days prior. Um, and she, we were both kind of saying like, things are good right now. Like things are good. Why is this happening? Right. Cause I was associating with it had like this bad, terrible thing. And um, I think this is going to give me a key to kind of just, it doesn't have to be good or bad or for it to happen. It's my body and it's a cycle. So I need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And I'm flying to Marrakesh in September to study with a painter, Heather Chantos. And I'm a little nervous about it just because of um, a couple of panic attacks. Have ha- oh, two of them have happened on flights. And so I can already see myself getting, you know, worked up. I'm like, I need to make friends with this. <laughs> I need to have some really good tools and I need to make a little note card to put in my bag so I remember what to do. Because that's what happened, Jolie, and I forget what to do when it hits. You know, even the most basic thing, I'll forget to breathe. Well, and for you, you know, so being in the airplane is, that, that's, that's a hard environment. Is that, is that correct? Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. W- were you flying this weekend? Uh, this weekend? No. But, but had a panic attack this weekend. Yeah. I was just laying on the couch. <laughs> it hit me out of nowhere, but I was at a concert Friday night prior and uh, it started to swell up there Friday night and I contained it or so I thought. Um, like how I like to manage things. And then, and then it was like a low level. I think it was kind of hanging out all weekend. And so by Sunday, it came and hit me. And do you have a sense of, is this, you know, more biochemical, more emotional? Like, do you, do you have a sense of that? I thought it was more emotional. Um, the times that it had happened, um, you know, my mom's health, I was coming home from Phoenix after having a really stressful managing her care. Um, it hit me on that plane. I ended up in an ER, you know, with right. I, my blood pressure was like 180 over a hundred and um, they took me off the plane. And then once was after my art show opening last year, I went to go get acupuncture the next day and I had a panic attack in the chair. Um, I think a lot of build up to that show, it was a really emotionally heavy show because it was called the geographic and it was about my drinking the landscape of my drinking. So a lot of them felt emotional. This one, I, I don't know. It hit Friday night, which made sense. I was in a concert with a lot of people and I, I'm not, I don't thrive in those environments. Um, so I went and I had to remove myself and go touch the ground, the gross ground outside of the, in Oakland, outside the theater and do some things. Um, but I definitely, I, if I would guess, I would say it is more emotional for me. Did you, did you want to go to this concert? Did you, did you enjoy it? I had, I worked 23 hours that day. I was out for 23 hours that day. So I think I was tapped out. Yeah. I was trying to make, do my first class was launching and I was um, nervous about not doing something right. And so I think I had a lot in my brain. Yeah. And that was Friday and it's now Tuesday, correct? Right. So, I mean. It's been a a week and a half though. It was the Friday prior. So it's been about 10, 11 days, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So the panic attack was, but the panic attack was two days ago. No, panic attack was a, a week oh, ago Sunday. That's okay. Sorry. Week ago Sunday, so uh, seven. So now we're nine days after it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
and then with the new moon. I mean, it's a little, if it were this weekend, I was like, oh, well, you know, I could, I could connect the cycle awareness for whatever that's worth. But since it's a week out, but, but you're still kind of in that, you're, it's that, you know, the new moons today. Mm-hmm. So you were kind of seven days out, which the, that luteal phase is 10 to 14 days. Okay. So you were in that inching up to this new moon today. And so again, that luteal phase is PMS, perimenopause, the autumn season. Think of how, you know, those listening, like how you kind of feel in the autumn, like inching up to winter. It's also kind of right before we give birth, right before our period starts. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's, it's a nesting time. It's, we're starting to, you know, we're not totally hibernating, but boundaries are being set a little bit more. It's more of a, like, okay, I'm kind of inching, you know, we're, we're coming up on this threshold to really go in. And so going into a big concert with all this energy and all these people, and it can, you know, that could be an explanation on the cycle awareness. I don't know that that's it. <laughs> but that could be where it's like, it wasn't kind of, it was more of a time for you to boundary up and nest a little bit and you were out in this exposed kind of all kinds of energies and people and your system was like, wah. And I knew not to do it, but I had bought the tickets for my son and my husband and it was, I loved the band and they were leaving for the weekend. It was, I was taking them to the airport afterwards. So it was like, I didn't want to go, but I forced myself to go. Well, and I think that's, I think that's a big statement right there, you know, so, so again, what people are like, what? So I, I'm in the PMS stage. I'm not going to go to a concert. And that's why I asked you if, you know, did you like the concert? Did you want to go? But I think that's huge right there saying, I didn't want to go. Yeah. And your body is, you know, it's, it's this push and pull and kind of that energy that, that got you through it. I mean, you went, but now it kind of imploded. Yeah, I thought I could power through Jolene because, yeah. you know, I can do that. Um, but you're right. It, it, that, that's, I knew if I was being really honest with myself, I would have just said, I got to pass you guys. I really want to go. I love the band, but I physically can't go. Like I'm toast. I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's an important piece of this anxiety thing. And I hear it from women a lot to, you know, like I, I don't want to go to this event. And the, the way I got through the event was I would drink. Mm-hmm. I would just kind of medicate it. I would suppress it. I would drown it and push it down. But then maybe, and again, I, I'm not, you know, these are just questions to be mm-hmm. curious about. But, you know, maybe then a week later, there's a full-blown anxiety attack or we're having a migraine or we're, so we push that energy down mm-hmm. and wield our way through, but now the body is rebounding. Um, and that's where some of this, you know, tracking and kind of noticing where our cycle is and how hard we're pushing against it. Um, it you know, and for instance, like with exercise, um, for women, it, it's not, it doesn't necessarily behoove us to do like hard interval workouts every day, 30 days of the month. <laughs> right. Oh, good. Um, I'm glad you said we <laughs> I'm not, so I'm way ahead of the game. <laughs> um, because of these cycles. And, and, and then I think cravings can eat or whatever can really, you know, rear its ugly head. And, and we're like, and then we just keep suppressing and suppressing and trying to push this stuff down and power through. And then more anxiety, more cravings. And because we're, it's like, what, what are we really needing to kind of, you know, nourish and, and, tap into and, and kind of listen to. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause when, when I removed alcohol from my life, I've been, it's a journey, right? So it's like this slow learning about things and my body and what I need and every month, what I do for myself. And I used to get a Now I get a massage every month. Um, I look at my quit that app and I see how much money I've saved and I give myself permission, full permission to go get a massage every month. I love it. Um, and yeah. so, but I'm, it's like a forever learning. And that's what I, I don't mind that at all, Jolene, to be quite honest, because I love being a student and I love kind of seeking and figuring these things out. So all the things you've just said, I'm so excited for these next few months, actually, instead of dread, I can look forward to kind of really looking at these things and examining it um, in a way that feels healthy to me before I go to Marrakesh. I don't want to have this stop me from living my life because then that's a really big problem. If yeah. I stop doing everything and I can't get on a plane, you know, um, Absolutely. I got on, a, I got on seven planes last December, zero problems. 
seven different flights. Um, so I really thought I had this licked until this just happened. So my body was like, not so fast. <laughs> more work to do, more things to pay attention to. Well, and it might be fun to, you know, again, kind of follow these cycles. And, you know, maybe you you're flying during kind of the winter new moon time. You know, and yeah. that's just, that's because again, we, we have to live our lives. Yeah. But what you can do then is because you're aware of that, of what can you do on that flight that's really kind of nourishing activities. And again, people have written all about this, that you can take on the plane itself. Whereas if you're flying at more of like your peak kind of ovulation, full moon, um, summertime, what can you then do on the flight to, so it's, it's, it's knowing which rhythm you're in and then bringing in kind of that resource at the time, whether you're on an airplane or, or wherever, it, you know, it's certainly not about, oh my gosh, another thing to do, or I didn't know this and I, you know, I got to fix this. It's just, um, I always look at this stuff as, you know, this is like kind of a fun curiosity. Like, yeah. how could I kind of play with this and have fun with it? Because if it's not fun, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, this is not meant thing. to be drudgery and another thing on the, on the to-do list. Yeah, I love it. Are you going to be teaching more about this kind of stuff, Jolene? Are you heading this way? Yeah, yeah, I am. So, so in oh, okay. my membership, um, in the Nourish Your Cravings community, um, I launched that last May. This is, you know, this is what the content is. So I've already um, taught two classes. I teach a virtual class every, every month for the members. Um, and, you know, I've taught two on this kind of hormone balancing, you know, technique idea. But I teach about kind of why we crave what we crave, easy ways to balance your neurotransmitters, strategies for regenerative sleep, um, adrenal fatigue, uh, a trauma toolkit. This month, I'm going to teach about gut health and belly fat. So I, I do a lot of this, the physiology of, of the body. And then I bring in um, guest speakers. So a guest expert every month. Um, one of my coaches, uh, Leona Silver, was, was one of the guest experts. She wrote a book called Feminine Genius, which I highly recommend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She talks about the power of the pelvis and um, a little different, you know, I was talking at the beginning of, so there's knowing kind of the cycles and the rhythms, that's one thing, but then knowing the organs of really how to take care of our breasts and our uterus and ovaries and mm -hmm. vaginal canal in a different, that's not kind of the traditional medical way. And she talks about, you know, there's a real, the power of the pelvis, that, that's the intuitive kind of spot for women. So she has a whole book on that. Um, so she was a, a guest expert. Kate Northrup um, has been in and she's recently written a whole book about this, this idea of cycle syncing and working with the seasons and monthly cycle. So this is what I've created this community around. Um, I've brought in a naturopathic doctor who talked about female fat loss and and interestingly his whole first, he, he understands this this cycle of women and, you know, when to do more cardio versus more kind of restorative exercise. And when he started his um, training for the community on fat, female fat loss, the whole first 30 minutes, he talked about restorative, calming exercise, sleep, orgasm, right. <laughs> bringing your cortisol down. And I'm like, yay, leave it to the guy, the naturopathic <laughs> doctor to, to talk to the women in my community about orgasm. Yeah. Um, and that, and that connection. So this is, you know, everything, um, in my community, it's less than a dollar a day. It's $29 a month, um, unless we have a 29 day month, but <laughs> yeah. And how do people find out about that, Jolene, so they can check it out? So you can go to healthydiscoveries.com and on the homepage, just click on, you know, join, join the nourish your cravings community. Um, okay. and you have, you have access to me. It's, it's built on my wellness wheel which I built my, my gray area drinking TED talk around. I use the nourish acronym, but in the wellness wheel, there's 10 areas we look at nutrition, emotions, exercise, relaxation, leisure, relationships, money, career, spirit, service and volunteer. And did I forget something? I think that's it. So, and that's who the guest experts. And then, it, so what it is, is we've quit drinking. Now, what are the next steps in these areas? Right. With nutrition, with emotions, with somebody do a great, great talk on um, the Enneagram. We had Anita Johnson who wrote Eating in the Light of the Moon. Oh, um, yeah. I've just been seeing that about, out and about. Yeah. Yeah. She was a guest expert. So it's, it's a great community. So that's going on. Um, I do coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching for those who have stopped drinking and now are interested in, you know, 
really personalizing this brain chemistry piece, the hormone piece. I, I work with people one-on-one. -on -one. And then to your question, yes, I am um, launching some mini courses later this summer on this, what we just talked about, um, really going into this hormone piece. Um, the anxiety piece will be a, another course and then sugar. And I'll, as the year goes, I'll, I'll roll out some more as well. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So everybody can check that out on healthydiscoveries.com. That's awesome. Gosh, thank you so much. This is so much information. I can't wait to re-listen to this, Jolene. <laughs> I know. I hope I'm not too much of a fire hose. <laughs> no, this is fantastic. This is so much great, great information. Sandra's going to love this. I know she is. Um, let's see. I'm looking at our timing here. We probably should try to wrap it up. Um, is there anything I've missed that you might want to, I think we covered a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't we, we'll get to the part of the show. Um, thank you for co-hosting with me. And I just, I was look, so looking forward to talking. I knew that whatever we talked about was going to be good. Like yeah. I was just wide open. So I'm so happy that this is what we chatted about today. I appreciate well, you. Thank you again. Listeners. Yeah. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. Um, so this is the part of the show where we normally ask um, to sh our guest, and so since you're our guest co-host, uh, to share three items maybe that are kind of your jam right now. What's in your life that's working with your either creativity, recovery, um, uh, not drinking, like whatever you want to share that's in your toolbox right now. Um, it could be hormone related. It could be any uh, perimenopause related. Um, do you have three things to share? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, it, it's always changing. So I, lo I love that you always ask this because it's, um, these are, you know, my healthy discoveries. And, and I mm -hmm. encourage people to, um, you know, I don't look at this of like, you know, here's the toolbox and then it just stays static for 12 months. Right. Um, working with the seasons, you know, now being in the summer season, um, literally, um, time of year, where kind of the season in your body is, or just like you said, Tammy, like, how do I feel? Do I want to do this? Do I want to go to this thing? And mm -hmm. so I'm always encouraging people of, you know, when we're choosing these practices, because self-care does get kind of a bad rap, like, why are we doing what we're doing? So there's three things, um, and just recently, something that I've started doing and I'm really loving, which is I'm excited to share, is working on um, lymphatic drainage mm. um, through skin brushing and through rebounding, so jumping on a mini trampoline. And um, there's a woman called Donna Eden, and I've followed her work for many years, and um, she talks about energy medicine. So working on the acupressure points and kind of clearing the acupressure meridians and the neurolymphatic points. And you can Google her and she has, you know, like a, a routine that you do. Um, and I, you know, I go back, I've known about her for years and there's times where it just really, I'm like, oh, it feels so good to do this. And then I forget about it. <laughs> but I'm in that time right now where, and this started for me, um, to be honest, I'm, you know, I've got fibrocystic breast, um, breasts and, mm. and some cysts um, mm. that are benign and when we watch them very carefully. But um, instead of just always kind of watching, you know, I, I want to do something active. And, and what I've come to learn in studying and researching a lot of this is the lymphatic drain to really, you know, move what's being held in the breast because that breast tissue is um can be a bit of that it pulls in the it's the place for some of the toxic dump in the body to go so we want to keep moving that through the lymph and so there's some real particular um skin brushing around the underarms and around the breasts and um and i feel better i have to say and i i feel like my skin looks like um there's more of a glow and like the bags under my eyes mm. are kind of because I'm moving the lymph and mm. then I and then I like to rebound so I just jump on because that moves your lymph as well um so that's I'm something that I'm just like enjoying and seeing results and it feels good to to do some, some lymph movement um another thing is walking in nature um, that's, you know, kind of my first thing with my nourish acronym in my Ted talk, mm -hmm. but I have a path, um, close by where I live, where it's all dirt and I wish I was by an ocean, but I'm so landlocked in Colorado. So my, my second, second best thing is to be in trees where I'm, you know, away from kind of the horns and the cars and which I have. So it's a great path and can kind of walk with lots of green leaves and trees and down the dirt. And that just feels so good. And lots of inspiration for what I'm working on always comes when I walk. And then the third thing is um, going back into some of my energy clearing practices, um, which, you know, doing like some chakra 
clearing on myself. And I have a Marianne Williamson guided meditation. Um, it's a healing meditation of just kind of being surrounded by white lights and and so uh, those kinds of things, you know, Epsom salt baths with like doing that energetic kind of clearing and, and discharge of my like energy aura, <laughs> mm -hmm. which I sounds woo woo, but I think you guys talk woo woo. So yeah, we do. Um, so yeah, lymphatic, the energy clearing practices and walking on dirt are kind of my three things right now. I love it. I love it. Well, I was just looking at, um, at the last time we spoke, you had the five senses practice yeah. with what you shared, knitting and baths. Yeah. Herbs so yeah. and salt baths. Yeah, that sounds really good. And I'm, I, that's one other thing I'm doing this summer. I'm teaching a co-teaching a knitting class. So knitting for Aww. brain and how to learn to knit and the benefits of nervous system regulation. And so I'm uh, partnering up with a woman here in Denver who's a great knitting teacher who's also alcohol-free. And oh, so she can teach the practical, technical side of, you know, getting started if you've never knitted before. And then I'll be teaching some of the somatic um, and sharing some of the, the nervous system research um, around how beneficial knitting is to your nervous system. So it's just going to be an afternoon class that we'll, we'll do in August in Denver. I love you. I love how you are creating this beautiful life for yourself and all of your interests and they keep kind of inner, you know, they're, you're knitting them all together. That's what you're doing with your communities and with your professional work. And I love it. Thank you so much for what you do. Um, you got to meet up with Tiffany Hahn, didn't you? She moved to Fort Collins. I did. She's close by. We've met ah, twice. And I, I, love I listened, it. listened to your interview, you two together. And she, I love her. She's amazing. <laughs> she's been such a good coach for me. She's been my coach for almost two years. And she... Um, it's just helped me so much with my creativity and how to do things. And when I'm like going, well, I could do that next year. She's like, so yeah. So, so how about next month? You might want to get that going to get that. So let me know how that works out. And I'm like, ah, uh, cause I would put everything off. Yeah. That's the year that I couldn't her. finish, you know, but she really accountability wise and she walks the walk. So she's um, just, she's so inspiring and so upbeat and positive mm -hmm. and just like, yeah, just let's do this. Mm -hmm. And I, it's just so nice to, be around her. Yeah. Um, she, you just feel good after, you know, lunch with Tiffany Hawk. Really <laughs> I love that she calls me when she's walking her dogs. I always like getting her afternoon dog walking calls. It's very funny. <laughs> oh, well, I know you, you lost her from the Bay Area, but I gained yeah. her here in Colorado. It's great. Did. I know. And I keep telling her she has to hook up with Natha Campanella, who has been on our show that does the Star Narratives podcast. And she is an astrologer. And so I'm like, maybe all three of you guys have to meet up. Oh, I don't know her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not the Campanella. I'll send you a little link for her. Cool. Um, but she's in Boulder. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, thank you, Jolene. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you for helping us so that Sandra could have a little breathing room this uh, July. And um, we'll get back to our, who knows what we're going to do in August. We haven't even really decided yet. So we'll, we'll find out. But um, thank you so much. Yeah. It's so wonderful to talk with you. It's always, always great. Good to hear from you. Bye. Bye-bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening. <laughs>